Today, like I said, is Palm Sunday, and uh, our groups are on a little Easter break. So we, uh, if you're new here, we have um, a bunch of groups. We have actually almost 100 people in groups, and a lot of them are sermon-based groups. And so I hand out uh, notes and questions to the, uh, to the sermon, but I didn't do it this week. Is that okay? I know it's not okay, yeah. It's, uh, there was no groups, uh, no, no, there was, all the groups were off, so I didn't do it. And today is, uh, is just a, a story that I wanted you to just listen to and simply be inspired by. Palm Sunday. I've entitled this sermon today, When Jesus Comes to Town. Here's a little video that gives you some weird insight into Palm Sunday. Play it for me. Hey, Tommy and Eddie here to talk to you about something really great, Palm Sunday. Yeah, that's the Sunday that we paint our palms purple to commemorate King Saul talking to that palm reader lady, and then we wave him in the air. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's yes, not. Yes, it no. is. What Bible do you read? Palm Sunday commemorates the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Now picture this. Jesus rode in on a donkey while the crowds put their cloaks and palm branches all over the ground, shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. That's what I said. What I meant. Okay, now picture this. Jesus' popularity was going viral. I mean, he just raised Lazarus from the dead in the same community just a few days earlier. Wait, post-dead Lazarus was maybe at the very first Palm Sunday? Yeah, probably. That's so cool. I bet if he was there, he was probably like, And you're a thriller, thriller, Jesus. You raised me from the dead when you said, Get up, get up, get up, ooh! Now, to complete all of this, Jesus needed a donkey. Now, you'd think that a king or a prince would ride in on a horse, but not Jesus. He knew the message that he wanted to send. You see, a donkey represents peace. Anybody riding a donkey represented peaceful intentions. Yeah, it says right here in Matthew 21, it says that Jesus sent two of his disciples to get him a donkey. Yeah. Hey, I wonder which two he sent. Mm, maybe Thomas. I doubt it. I bet he sent Andrew. Andrew would totally do that. And probably... Tony. I bet he said Andrew and Tony. Tony's not a disciple. Oh, sorry. Tony is. Still not a disciple. What translation of the Bible do you read? Jesus needed a donkey, so he asked two disciples to go get him a donkey. He told them they would find one in town, tied there next to a colt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he says, untie them and bring them to me. And if somebody asks you about it, you tell them the Lord needs them? Jeez. Yeah. What? Well, Jesus told his disciples to go steal a donkey for him. What Bible do you read? It doesn't say that at all. I can't figure this out. I mean, Jesus, he changed water into wine. Cool. He fed the 4,000. He fed right? the 5,000. What? He fed the 5,000. It doesn't matter. It does matter. Not the fourth. It's the 5,000. We're splitting hairs. I'm sorry. Jesus fed a large group of people. and That's cool. He, he healed people with leprosy. He raises Lazarus from the dead, and then boom, he's like, hey guys, go steal me a donkey. I'm just saying, I don't think that's very WWJD. The significance of Jesus riding on a donkey, which he did not steal, 
was to fulfill the prophecy that is found in Zechariah 9.9. Yeah, but... The... And the king, riding in on a lowly donkey with his way paved with palm branches, the palm branches symbolize triumph or victory. The what? The palm branches. The branch... Palm thought... branches, Palm Sunday. The... I thought it was the palm... They should call it Branch Sunday, because that's confusing. We all have palms with us all the time. I just, I feel bad. I... I'm sorry, Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is a time for us to prepare our hearts for the agony of his passion and the joy of his resurrection. So this week, let's cover the road to the cross with our hearts, our souls, and our minds as we reflect on the final week of Jesus' life. And let's celebrate in anticipation the return of the King of Kings. Thank you. That is the story, and I want to read it to you now out of the book. Um, this is one of the rare stories, actually, in the Gospels where it's in all four. It, it's, very, it's actually very rare that a story about Jesus is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But this is one of them, and which, which actually signifies, really, how important it was to them all, that all of them wanted to make sure this story got in. We're going to be reading from Luke. I had to pick one, so I picked Luke, okay? But uh, you can find it in Matthew 21, Mark 11, John 12. But we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 19. Put it up for me. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It says this, After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you'll see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks why you untying that colt, just say the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owner asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus. They threw their garments over it for him to ride on. And as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen. Uh, Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. But he replied, If they they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. A pretty amazing story. You can get more details and different kind of perspectives from the other Gospels, but this is a really good one. Today is Palm Sunday. It's One week before Easter. This is the last week of the life of Jesus here on earth. It's what people call uh, the Passion Week or the Holy Week. You've you've heard some of those terms. It's, It's really the last week that Jesus spent here on earth. And I wanted to just, just so you get a perspective, this is how the week looks like. Starting today, Sunday. On Sunday, he enters Jerusalem on a donkey, the story that we're talking about today. And, 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 and all the kerfuffle that happens with that. Monday, he, he weeps over Jerusalem. 
And he goes in and he cleanses the temple by driving out all the merchants. Tuesday, he goes into the synagogue and he does some teaching and he, he runs into conflict with the Pharisees like he did uh, multiple times. He, he called them blind fools and hypocrites. And they didn't appreciate that, could you imagine? So he had some conflict with them on Tuesday. Wednesday, he goes back into the synagogue. He does more teaching at the temple. And then he returns to Bethany for that dinner that we talked about last night. Where Last night, where, well, I was thinking about it last night, but uh, you were thinking about it last week. Uh, remember, at the dinner on the Wednesday, he returns to Bethany after a day of teaching. And he goes to the house of Simon for the dinner where Mary poured that expensive perfume on him. That happens on the Wednesday. Thursday is prep day for the Passover meal. He sends the disciples up into the upper room and they prep that room. He, he washes the feet of, of the disciples on that day. He, they have their, their last supper together and he begins the practice of communion or the Lord's Supper. It starts right from that day. Uh, early on Friday, it's like just after midnight, so it's now technically Friday, he, they go out to the Mount of Olives. And a little after midnight, they're in the Garden of Gethsemane, and that, that's where all of his friends abandon him. And uh, he's condemned. The guards come and get him. He's whipped. He's beaten. He's crucified. On Saturday, he's in the grave, And the Pharisees ask for the guards to come and surround the tomb to make sure that that nobody can can get them out. And that happens on the Saturday. And then guess what happens on the Sunday? On Sunday, he rises from the dead. Come on, just shout at me now. That's a good thing. And the tomb is empty. All right? So the stone is rolled away not to let him out. The stone is rolled away to let us look in, to make sure and to know for sure that he's gone. You see, he was already out when the stone was rolled away. And so uh, on Sunday, he rises again, and that's what we'll celebrate this coming uh, Sunday, one week from today. So every day this week is, if if you remember, this is the last week of his life. And, and this is the week where he's headed directly to the cross. And uh, it begins today with him riding into town on the donkey. So in this last week, Jesus is betrayed by a friend named Judas. He's denied by another friend named Peter. All of his disciples run away. He's found guilty on false charges that they trump up against him. He's nailed to the cross between two criminals. And up to this point, he was always telling people, it's really interesting to note this, up to this point in all of his ministry, in all of his teaching, he was always telling people, and in fact, even demons, to stay quiet about who he was. You, you know, you, you, you that read the Gospels, you'll, you know, you know, they'll say, you know, he's, and he'll say, just keep quiet. Don't say. And then he'll even say, the demon comes out, and he'll say, Keep quiet, don't, don't speak. And he, he stopped people and even demons uh, from speaking out about who he was. He, he was commanding them to be quiet about who he really was. In fact, here's one example, Luke chapter 9. He says, Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone 
who he was. This is when this is after when they realized that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. And he said, Don't tell anybody. Basically, it's my time is not yet come, right? And so he he warns them and he does it again and again and again. But now we're at Palm Sunday, and this day is completely different. It's different from from any other time. It's 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 just a total reversal. Now He's saying, go ahead and shout my praise. Go ahead and tell the people who I am. Blessing is, you know, uh, blessings on the king. They're shouting, Hosanna, waving palm branches. It's a scene. They're shouting out his name. It's, it's this, it's this massive thing that's going on. No one is going to silence them. The, the Pharisees try and, and he shuts them down. Now it's like this huge reversal. Up to that very day, he's saying, don't tell people who I am. And then on that day, as he rides in on the donkey, it's like he puts a trumpet to his mouth and, and just announces who he is, right? And, and, and it's, a, it's an amazing day. And so this is why I say, when Jesus comes to town, the right response is praise every time. He's fulfilling prophecy from hundreds of years before. The guys mentioned it in the video. Zechariah 9.9, throw it up for me. It says, rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Hundreds of years ago, this verse is given. And on this day, Palm Sunday, Jesus fulfills this very prophecy. When you see when a king, and the guys mentioned it too, but when a king rides into town, if, if, if a king would ride, uh, normally it was this pomp and circumstance thing, like a big giant, you know, a uh, big white horse, a big steed, and they'd ride in like, look at me, I'm come to conquer you. And, but if, if a king or someone would ride in on a donkey, it was really a sign of humility. Donkey, a donkey is a humble animal. It's a working animal. And so there's, a, there's, there's symbolism that's going on here. And he rides in on a donkey. It's a sign of humility. It's a sign of peace. And he rides in showing that he has come to serve. He rides in showing that he's come to make peace with all of humanity's sin. It's the Passover celebration, you see. Jesus died on the Passover, on the, uh, on that, in that Passover time. And the Passover, if you don't know, is something that the Jews still celebrate today. It's the celebration when the Jews remember when the angel of death passed over them. Remember in Egypt? And remember what they had to do? They had to slaughter a what? A lamb. And they took the blood of the lamb and they smeared it over their door, right? That's how the story goes. And every house who had the blood of the lamb smeared over the door escaped death. Starting to get it? This is Passover. This is, what they, this is what the Jews did and still do to this day. Put blood over their doors and finally, finally, death comes to the Egyptians and Pharaoh sets them free. And so they've been celebrating Passover ever since. But understand this, that Jesus is the ultimate Passover lamb, right? By his sacrifice... He's paid the price. He set us free. And this is such an obvious act of Jesus declaring himself to be king. It's an obvious act of Jesus declaring himself to be the one, 
the Messiah, the one who has come, the one who, the, the one who really is the once and for all Passover lamb. And, 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 and this is a declaration of that. The religious leaders, by the way, are already at this point plotting on how to kill him. But, uh, but uh, they, they can't ever seem to nail down their plans. And it seems like, well, for sure, that God had planned for Jesus to die as the Passover lamb during the Passover. And so this, this uh, like every other attempt, basically, to arrest Jesus had failed. You know, they come to get him, and he just walks through. They find, he can't find, like every other time they, go, they come to get him, it's an absolute failure. Uh, they, they can't put a hand on him. Uh, but this time, it was God's time. You see, this is why I say, nobody took my life, right? I lay it down. It's on his terms. It's at, on his timing, right? Understand, this is what's going on. Now was the time for his death. Now was the time for the Passover lamb to show himself during Passover, to offer uh, hum- humble service and peace and salvation to the world. Now was the time for his death, and now was the time for everybody to know who he really was. Up until that point, he told them to be quiet, but this day changes it all. That's why this day is an amazing day. It's a really cool day. He gave them a reason to praise. Look at Luke 19, 37. When he started, when he reached the place, sorry, where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. You see, they let loose with this incredible, joyful praise. The other, the, uh, you read the other passages and they'll say they spread their coats. So they're whipping off their coats and they're laying it on the ground. They're cutting palm branches off the trees. They're waving them around. It was their version of rolling out the red carpet, right? For the king has arrived. And so the red carpet is rolled out for him, right? Jerusalem, by the way, understand this. This is why God's, God's so perfect, right? But Jerusalem's population was actually uh, about, at this point, about the same size as Stovall, uh, right around 50,000, give or take. But during Passover week, during the celebration of Passover, the crowds in Jerusalem would swell to over 2 million, okay? So just think, our town, 2 million. There's bodies everywhere. In fact, think about Main Street Stoville during Strawberry Festival. You ever walk down Main Street during Strawberry Festival? It's a freaking zoo down there, right? This is the way it was, right? Two million people. So you have to imagine this now. Jesus riding into town, surrounded by a huge crowd, All of his, it starts with his followers and his believers starting to lift up, to shout and to sing their praise for all the wonderful things that he had done. But it builds and it gets bigger and bigger. Who knows how many people are there wildly celebrating, right? They believe that they had a reason to praise. The Pharisees don't like it. They ask Jesus to stop the crowd from speaking. He goes, they shouldn't be saying that about you right? They're calling him king and blessing and hosanna, which means save. They're saying all these words about you. They shouldn't be saying these words. And he says, if they keep quiet, right, even the rocks will shout for joy, right? Now is not the time to be quiet. 
Now is a time to open up your mouth and let it loose, let it out. Let the joy flow. This is what he's getting at. The Pharisees don't like it. And Jesus says, even the rocks will cry. Uh, You know, there's reference to the earth giving praise throughout the Bible many times in different ways. I just wanted to pull a couple for you, just, just for example. Psalm 96 says, Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and their crops burst out with joy. And let the trees of the forest sing for joy. Psalm 98, 7 says, let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the earth and all living things join in. Let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out their songs of joy. This was an incredible day. Are you getting it? Are you with me? Come on now. This is a day of days. This is the day when the king, the Messiah, comes and says, now I've been holding you back all this time, but now when I ride in on the donkey, I want you to let her go, right? I want you to let her go. I want you to shout. I want you to jump. I want you to dance. I want you to throw your coats on the ground. I want you to wave those palm branches in the air just like you don't care. I mean, he's just like, do it, do it. It's an incredible day, right? Jesus knows, by the way, that many in the crowd are praising him for all kinds of different reasons, right? There's some legitimate followers who who love him and are serving him with a right heart and a right spirit. But he also knows that there's many in the crowd that don't have a clue what they're doing. They're just caught up in the excitement. It's this gang mentality sort of a thing. And there's also some many in the crowd that day who are shouting Hosanna and in just a few days would turn on him and begin to shout crucify him, right? It's a fickle crowd. But on this day, he says, what they're doing is right. They may not understand it. They may not be doing it with pure motives. They may not have a full full grasp of, of what's happening here. But it is right that they sing and shout and celebrate for the king has come to town. This is how awesome the day is. And so he, he understands it. They are speaking and shouting praise to the only person who deserves it. And so when Jesus comes to town, praise is the, is the right response. They yell, Hosanna, it means save. They, they want him to be the one. See, a lot of them were thinking that Jesus, the Jews were always looking for freedom. They were always trying to get away from the Romans. The Romans had conquered them. They were a conquered nation. And they were always looking for freedom from the Romans. And they thought, many in the crowd, uh, many people believe, assumed that Jesus was coming to be that liberator, that, that, that conquering king who would come and you know, raise up the troops and fight Rome and set you know, Jerusalem and all of Israel free. Many didn't understand that it was spiritual freedom that Jesus had in mind. We have the benefit. So here's, here's my take today, and this, this is what I want us to get today. We have the benefit now of looking back, right? We, we have the benefit of having greater insight and greater understanding into this story than what they had on that day. We know who he is, amen? We know what he's accomplished. So if there's anyone who has a reason to praise, it's us, Right? They might not have known what they were doing. We do. Right? We do. Look, Psalm 
103, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. It's only just a drop in the bucket of the blessings that he pours out into our life. Amen? See, we have been set free. We have been made heirs with Christ. He has made us overcomers, conquerors, temples of the Holy Spirit. We have been given hope. We have received undeserved grace, undeserved favor. We didn't deserve it, but he gave it to us. Anyway, we have been adopted into his family. We have been given heaven as our eternal home. Believers have a lot to sing about. We have something to celebrate. He, he's brought us from death to life. He's, he's moved us from despair to hope. He's made the great exchange from fear to faith. And it's a ridiculous, silly thing for anybody to say to Jesus, tell your followers to be quiet. It's how, it's how out of the loop they were. Smart but stupid at the same time, these Pharisees were, right? They were so out of it and so blind, right? You cannot help. It, we, it, we must shout his name. When Jesus comes to town, praise is the only proper response. Someone said that to praise Jesus was basically to give him a compliment. And I really liked that. It was interesting, and I wrote that down. To give Jesus or to praise Jesus was essentially to give him a compliment. And I I was thinking, we can compliment him with our words, right? You're good, you're great, you're lovely, you're awesome, you're the best, you know, thank you. We, we, We do it. But we also compliment him with our work, right? We compliment him by... By working hard and being honest and doing all those things. We, we compliment him by living lives of integrity and honesty. We, 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 live, we, we, we live lives of, of when, or should I say, when we, when we live lives of, of that, it, it gives him praise. Do you understand? When you're a good dad, he's pleased. When you're a good mom, you give him praise. When you raise up your kids right, he's happy, you know. Like our whole lives, our whole lives, our, our, our worship, we're complimenting him. We're doing it all for him. Jesus can be praised through a song, through a play, through a dance, through a painting. I, I have been blessed, incredibly blessed, by looking at artwork and just feeling Jesus through it. I don't know if that's happened to you, but it's happened to me. We, we praise him by using our talents, right, for his sake. And giving him the credit for it all. Every good thing I have, every ability we have. See, the world calls it a natural ability, right? Why is somebody just naturally more sporty than somebody else? Why is somebody more naturally, you know, a better, draw, a better painter than somebody else? We call it a natural ability. I call it a supernatural ability given to you by God. It, you just woke up one day, right? I mean, literally born one day. And you, you just have this natural ability or supernatural ability. 
Everything we have has been given to us by him. And so we praise him by saying, look, I recognize that you've given me it all. You've given me my money, my ability to make money. You've given me my talents, my voice. You've given me everything I have. So I, if, I, if I offer this back to you, use this for your sake, he gets credit for it, right? You know, a football player, great touchdown, man. You ran 98 yards down the sideline. Yeah, just give God the glory, man. Right. Like I know it's it's like people oh, whatever. It's like the guy with the funny hair holding up John three sixteen. But but there's a principle there that I always like go, you're right, and I hope you believe it. It is. It is God that gave you that ability to do that. It is God that made that happen. You have to understand that, right? It is part of who he is. He's good. We give him credit for it all. We praise him. We compliment him. We, we put in a good word for Jesus whenever you get a chance. So we say good things about him. We do good things in his name. We, we say thank you to him for all of his blessings. We show gratitude for goodness sakes. We are people who, who are marked by thankfulness and gratitude, not by unthankfulness and, and a critical complaining spirit. It's not who believers are wired to be. We're different than that, right? We, we compliment and we say good things about him. In you know, the life that he has provided for you, all of your blessings. See, the greater you know him, the greater you understand him. Do you, do you, do you not, you know, you get what I mean? The, the more you understand how much you have to be thankful for, you, you, you know, you, you feel that with me? That when you begin to understand every breath I breathe, every day I live, it's a gift of God. Every car I drive, every chair I sit on, every microphone I talk into, it's a gift of God. It's a gift of God. And the more I understand that, the more it wells up thankfulness in my heart. And the more, you know what thankfulness does? It causes you to praise. Causes you to say thank you. Causes you to sing a song with joy. Causes you to live a life of integrity, to honor him with your work and with your, with your conduct. It's all that and more. Jesus, on this day, Palm Sunday, 2,000 years ago, he wanted them to make a joyful noise. They said, tell those people to be quiet. And he said, uh-uh. Fact, it's going to get louder. And if they dared shut their mouth, then the trees, the fields, the rocks would begin to shout out my name. It's, it's an amazing story. So not only do these people... Uh, Uh, have or we have this reason to praise. But I I want you to get to that Jesus approved of it. Jesus approved of the praise. As the people got louder, they're shouting Hosanna, blessing on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, you know, and and Jesus does nothing to stop it. In fact, he encourages it. He says, come on. Say it. Say it with me. Come on. Just say it. I'm just, just trying to help you out today. Right? It's Palm Sunday. Come on. Just, just want you to get fired up a little bit today. All right? Right? I want you to know this too. Just as an aside. I realize that sometimes it's very difficult when we come into church and the band's playing or the songs are playing or the pastor's yelling at you to, you know, talk or whatever. And, and you, have, you have issues. There's needs. There's wounds. There's pain. You're walking through a a time of darkness or struggle in your life. 
I, I understand that. I'm human. We all have times like that. But I want you to understand how important the principle is. When we do the right thing, right things happen. The right thing when Jesus comes to town is for his people to praise. When people praise, guess what happens? Heaviness begins to lift. Healing can begin to flow. Encouragement happens. Hope begins to get injected back into your soul. This is what happens. Praise is not just about how you feel. In fact, it has nothing to do with how you feel. It's not about your mood. It's not about if you you feel like it or not. If we're going to do it, it's about his worth. And his worth and his worthiness and and, and our ability to say thank you shouldn't change from today, tomorrow, or the next day. He's still worthy tomorrow, right? He's still, he's still great tomorrow. And so we sometimes let our praise get cramped or limited because we walk in and we feel that we can't do it. In fact, I've told this story before, but it was, I'll just mention it for those who don't hear it. It was years ago. And I was leading worship one time. I used to be a worship pastor, for those of you who didn't know, but I was leading worship one time. And there was a lady that we were having a prayer time at the front, and the place was packed. And there was a lady at the front. And as I was uh, playing and singing, I just the Lord just kept bringing this lady. She, she was just one of those things. That just, she was kept, just kept coming to me. And I knew that I had to go down. I had a word for her. And I, I dropped my guitar, told the band to keep playing, and I went down to this lady, and she was weeping, and she looked very broken at the altar. And I went down, and I just put my hand on her shoulder, and I whispered in her ear, and I said, the Lord wants you to know he sees your pain, but he wants you to praise him anyway. And the benefit of that you, will be immediate if you begin to praise him in the midst of your pain. And she looks up at me with huge eyeballs, and something broke right there. Went back on the stage, started singing again, and this woman was hands in the air like she just didn't care. And it was like something broke in her life, and, and, and her heaviness lifted. And I knew that God was, was, was just ministering to her in a powerful way. And this is what happens when you do the right thing, right? So we don't say, you know, my husband, he was a real jerk this morning. You ever notice you get into some sort of a stupid argument on your way to church? You think that's God? No. That's somebody else who's trying to steal your joy, deflect your attention off what you're coming here to do, right? If he can mute your praise, then he can mute the move of God among us. You understand? Praise, if he inhabits the praises of his people, That means that the more we praise, the more we lift up his name, he says he will draw us to himself, right? That's what the word says. So if we do that well, if we do it with integrity and with passion, guess what happens? He shows up. And when he's here in the room, anything can begin to happen, right? And so this is why the principle is important. It's not just killing time for the sermon. It's literally inviting the Holy Spirit into our midst. So he approves of the praise. He welcomes it. Psalm, it's Psalm 22 that says he inhabits the praise of his people. Or it says some, some translations, he is enthroned on the praises of his people. Meaning he's, he's made king when we give him that, that, 
that, that authority and that right, that we, we give it to him, right? And so a plan of the enemy is always to try and steal the desire to worship out of the church. If, if he steals that from us, then he wins. You know why? Because even he knows that a praising church is a powerful church because God dwells in the praises of his people. And the weaker our praise becomes, the weaker we become. Understand that praise is a weapon that we use against the enemy. It is a weapon. We talk about, you know, all the, the armor of God and we put up the shield and put on the helmet and all this stuff. But what, what, what we fail to sometimes remember is the sword, the word, is a weapon. But praise is also a weapon because it drives the enemy out from our midst, right? Remember the story of, uh, I think it's Jehoshaphat in, in uh, Chronicles, when he's up against the, the children of Israel. i got to wrap up here. But the children of Israel are going up against three armies. They're like way overmatched, way, like there's three to one. They have no prayer of winning this battle. They're going to get slaughtered. And Jehoshaphat, the king, is like, God, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And, and God says, put the praise team, put the praisers, the worship people, out in front of the army. And I was thinking, that just hit me now. Okay, they're going to face a giant army. We got, we got, we got Vic leading the way with an acoustic guitar. <laughs> just keep walking, Vic. We're right behind you. Yeah. Right? This is what he asked them to do, right? And what happens? Read the story. I'll tell you the story. They win. It's all of a sudden, it says, as they began to praise and walk forward, it says, the Lord sent confusion into the camp. They turned on each other and they killed every, they killed each other. And when they arrived to the site of the battle, all three armies were dead and they didn't even have to pick up a sword, Right? They led the way with praise, and God went ahead of them to bring them victory. There's a principle there, you see? It is a weapon, and the more we do it, the more powerful we become. It, 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 it defeats discouragement. It, it gives us hope into our soul. It reminds us of how great God really is, that, and, and know that he approves of it. He welcomes it. He wants it. Not because he's an egomaniac, but because he knows of the power and the rich blessing that it brings into our lives. We're the ones that benefit when we participate, right? So when the pressure of life is upon us, we have to keep a spirit of worship in our home, in our church, in our lives. Whatever mood you're in, Whatever circumstance you face, you've got to make the choice. And it's, it's a choice. You've got to make the choice to praise anyway. As you lift up his name, he draws you closer to himself. And so that's the place in his presence where you can experience his love, his mercy, his healing, his peace. When Jesus rides into town that day on the donkey, praise literally erupts all around him. He doesn't stop it. He fans the flame and says, come on, bring it, bring it. 
I don't care that you don't know what you're doing, some of you. I don't care that, you know, some of you are going to turn on me. I don't care if you fully understand what's happening here. This is right and this is good. And I want you to shout it out. Give me praise. Lift up your voice, right? And this is what happens that day. He thought it was a good thing to do. Jesus thought it was a good thing to do. When Jesus comes to town, The right response to the presence of the king is praise. Amen?